The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. You struck a bird. I think she's badly damaged. I'd like to know how badly. She's going to sink, Captain. But she can't sink. She's unsinkable. How many people are there on board? 2,200 or more. And room in the boats for how many? 1,200. There's a distress call just come through. Who from? The Titanic. They've struck a bird. It's a late postman. No, they've struck a bird. They want us to come at once. They're sinking. The Titanic? Don't be afraid. It's true. We are in a precarious position. We must be prepared to abandon ship. Everything will be done quietly and calmly. There must be no alarm and no panic. I will give the word when the boats are to be loaded with the women and children. An evocation of the Titanic. And uh, so many movies have been made, uh, so many words have been written, uh, which evoke that great ship which, of course, foundered on its maiden voyage. We're coming to you this morning from perhaps the most picturesque setting uh, that I've ever broadcast from. We're sitting in Titanic in Belfast, and we're overlooking the Lagan on a beautiful sun-kissed morning. And we're going to tell you all about uh, this place, this quarter, and uh, tourism at large in Northern Ireland as well. We're joined by a number of guests. Uh, Judith Owens, who's the CEO of Titanic Belfast. Deirdre McIntyre, great-granddaughter of Roderick Chisholm, who was the chief draftsman at Shipbuilders Harland and Wolf and who perished on the Titanic. And Eamor Carney, who's head of marketing for Titanic Belfast. Good morning and welcome one and all. Um, Judith, we'll uh, go to you first. Um, this is not just an experience. Uh, this whole quarter has, it's fair to say, transformed Belfast. And, and welcome to Titanic Belfast. Sorry, we were not uh, hearing your microphone. Let's try and uh, get uh, that a little bit adjusted now, Judith. And welcome to Titanic Belfast. We're sitting here today actually overlooking the slipways where Titanic was built just on the left-hand side there. Titanic Belfast came out of the Good Friday Agreement. We were one of the projects that was trying to achieve international standout for tourism in the market. Um, and we, uh, we were built to commemorate the centenary of the sinking of Titanic. And, and since we opened, we have welcomed over 7 million visitors from 145 countries across the globe. So it's been incredibly important to the development of tourism in Northern Ireland and to really making this, um, you know, this place and ensuring that Titanic came back home because yeah. the Titanic story started here over 110 years ago. Yeah, and we're approaching the 111th anniversary of the sinking of uh, Titanic. In my uh, hotel room in the Titanic Hotel just across the road on the wall there is a reproduction of a letter from Father Brown and he's writing to the White Star Line and he's looking for images of uh, Titanic and they say in the letter well we are unwilling really to provide images of Titanic because we don't want the name Titanic to be perpetuated <laughs> how wrong the White Star Line were on that front 
Indeed, and you know, Father Brown is one of the, the, the great um, human stories that comes out of the Titanic story. He was a Jesuit priest that was on board Titanic. Um, he was an amateur photographer and he took some of the most important photographs that we have, which means that we can actually really tell what life was like on mm. board. He took some of the, the first photographs of the gymnasium um, and, and gave us an idea of the opulence, but also of the people that were on board, which is really what the Titanic story is all about. Yeah. Um, Father Brown, of course, was ordered by his superiors to get off the boat. He had tra travelled from Southampton and then to Cove. And then to Cove. And at Cove, he was told, get off that ship. You know, a priest like yourself has other duties to attend to. He got off and his life was saved. His life was saved. And, and, and um, you know, he had a, a, a very strong history after that. But I think it's the, the importance of those images that we have now um, that really give us the, the historic um, actuality of, of what what life on board was like on board Titanic. Um, life on board uh, came in different ways. And we know that Cameron's uh, Titanic movie gives us a certain impression, whether that's accurate or not. But there, there is no doubt it was uh, a, a world of two halves, the rich and the, the not so rich. It was indeed, and I think here at Titanic Belfast, what we try to do is, first of all, we try to bring the story back to Belfast. Titanic was one of the biggest brands in the world, um, but a lot of people didn't realise that she was actually built here. So in Titanic Belfast, we tell the story of the shipyard workers, we tell the story of the dreams of them actually building the ship, and then we tell the story of life on board. And that is right from the crew um, to the passengers who were going to a new life in America, um, uh, to some of the richest and wealthiest people on, on on the world, in the world, and she sank on her maiden voyage, which was really um, why I think this is it, it has been catapulted into the legacy yeah. that it had. I suppose had. it also had uh, the reputation of the ship that was going to be unsinkable, and when an unsinkable ship sinks, that's going to put it into the history books, no matter what. I, I, yes, I think there was many things that happened. I mean, if you look at it, um, if you look at Belfast in Northern Ireland, she was the biggest ship in the world, built in the biggest shipyard in the world, who sank on her maiden voyage. Um, I think, you know, everybody that, uh, the, the likes of, of Thomas Andrews and the guarantee group that were on board, they did know that, that she could sink if there were a number of things happen. And one of the galleries that we actually talk about is um, the, the sort of the, the different types of incidents that happened to, that, uh, and which is the reasons that she sank. It wasn't just one thing. Yeah, there's many there's so many what ifs. If, for example, I'm just, I went on the tour yesterday, a very accelerated tour because we arrived here late afternoon. Um, but the, 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 I was overwhelmed. I was bowled over by the quality of the experience, by the accuracy and effectiveness and the evocation of what it was like, say, to be in the boiler room. But one of the, the things you mentioned is that domino thing. You know, if any of the dominoes fell, then disaster would follow. But it was a bad year for ice. If it hadn't been a particularly bad year for ice, Titanic would have made it certainly on its maiden voyage. If the captain hadn't put the foot down in the accelerator, Titanic might have made it. Uh, perhaps if the binoculars, which were locked up in the cabinet, if the keys hadn't been taken by someone inadvertently, more binoculars would have been available. The ice might have been spotted. So many things. And I also think that is the appeal of Titanic, the story, because there are so many layers to it, and it is what happens in everyday life. It's not normally just one thing um, that results in, in, in a catastrophe. It's many things. But I also think 
Um, it is how we have, it is, it's how over history they have taken those incidents and make sure that they never happen again. And that's obviously one of the galleries yeah. that you went through yesterday. It is the sadness too, that often we talk about Titanic and people use the word uh, Titanic uh, jocosely. They'll often say, oh, moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic, that sort of thing. Uh, and they don't really get what happened. This was a massive human catastrophe. It, it was, and I think, you know, that's what we try to do here at Titanic Belfast, not just in the telling of, the, of, of the, the Titanic story, but in the telling of the shipyard story as well and of the history of this place. Um, and what we're trying to do is, is ensure that we have international standout for tourism um, in Northern Ireland and Ireland. Um, you know, many, there's 70% of the, of the business here in, in Northern Ireland comes in through Dublin and then comes up as part of their stay here. So it's very, very important that we tell all the human stories and that we tell them accurately. Um, and that's what we have here. I mean, this is authentic. As you said, we're sitting looking out over the lagoon, but we're looking out over the slipways where she yeah. actually um, was built. Um, and that's why we can call her home and that's why we can um, legitimately tell the story of Titanic. Is it fair here. to say that this is really the cornerstone of Belfast tourism? Certainly, I would be biased now saying yeah. that I'm CEO of Titanic Belfast, but I'm also chair of the, of the um, Tourism Alliance in, in Northern Ireland. We're very fortunate that we have a very rich and deep um, tourism product here, um, not just in the city, but in the regions as well. Uh, I just think that's the appeal of Northern Ireland, along with the people. Northern Ireland is about, about the people. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've, we have had um, a high number of people from the South coming up over la last year, certainly since COVID, and that has just been incredible. Yeah, I mean, people don't realise you can literally motorway it virtually to the door of this place. You can, yes. I think there's a sign that we use that said 90 minutes from, from door to door. That's, that's maybe a slight exaggeration, yeah. but you certainly can get here very, very quickly. Um, but it's not just about the city. Um, you know, obviously we want to see everybody come to Titanic Belfast, but you can have incredible holidays here in Northern Ireland in the regions. And everywhere is just is slightly different, but all with its own stories to tell. Well, we have enjoyed so much of your hospitality so far, but I know, Judith, you're under pressure. You are, after all, CEO of Titanic Belfast with many responsibilities. So thank you very much for uh, joining us on the programme. Thank you. Now, Eamor Carney, Head of Marketing for Titanic Belfast, uh, told us a, a lot yesterday about the additions. Now, even without the additions, this must, when it opened, have been a gobsmacking experience for people because you feel like you're in the ship. Yes. So we are celebrating our 11th birthday at the end of this month. And as Judith said, we've welcomed people from all over the world. And I think it's just testament to the Titanic story and how much people resonate with it, all different parts of it. But when they come to Titanic Belfast, we want to tell the whole story. The tragic sinking, obviously, is what Titanic is most famous for. But in our experience, that is about two thirds of the way through. So we tell the story of everything that came before and then everything that came after. So we've done a big refurbishment recently and what we have done is we have taken a third of the experience and completely transformed how we tell the Titanic story. We haven't rewritten the story and what happened to Titanic, we've just interpreted it in a different way and one of the main things that we have done is bringing in a new theme and it's the, called the pursuit of dreams and that's looking at the people that were involved in the Titanic story from the men who built her to the passengers who sailed on her to the crew who worked on her and it's really um, delving into those stories and making sure that we're telling those human connections. Now in one gallery towards the end of the tour there is a massive wall 
with the names of those who were lost on the wall. And it is extraordinary that, that I remember seeing yesterday that in the first class area, there was one person called Rothschild lost, but probably no one else in the family who traveled with them because women and children were given priority for saving. But then in the lower classes of passengers, whole families, the sages, I think was a 10 or 11 people, uh, whether they were parents and children and grandparents, all of them died. So it, it was the, the, almost the haves and the have-nots in a ship that had only lifeboats for half its passenger complement. Yes, and that wall that you've referenced, Pat, is um, one of the main changes. That that's where the new part of the experience really begins. So that wall documents everybody that was on board the ship, whether they were crew and what, whatever class of passenger they were um, whenever the ship hit the iceberg. And just beside that, we have an, an artefact. So this is one of only 12 remaining life jackets in the world. So it's bringing that original heritage in with telling the story through um, those passenger names. And the databases that are there, people can come and they can search by class, they can search their family name, they can search where people boarded the ship, so if it's in Cove. And it's really to see if people have those connections to the story, because there were so many people on board that ship and where we can make those human connections. One of your guides was explaining to me about the life jackets, which were made of cork. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they were called the Fosburys, but anyway, that's just from memory. But the problem was that if you had to jump into the water from a height, the cork, which was actually quite solid, it could crash up. It wasn't secured properly, really. And if it hit you in the chin, it could knock you out. It could. It could knock you out. And it I think, could break your neck. I think a lot of people maybe um, suffered at the, the the fate of the life jackets, actually, whenever they went into the water for those very reasons. And as Judith referenced um, just, just earlier, um, that is one of the things that Titanic, one of the legacy of Titanic, one of those is that there were so many maritime safety laws changed because of what happened to Titanic yeah. and life jackets and the technology around those obviously has evolved greatly since then. I want to ask you about another element of the, the tour in a moment uh, about David, uh, or what's his name, James Cameron and his uh, adventures in finding, uh, In he wasn't the one who found it, but he obviously used the wreck as an inspiration for uh, the movie. But I want to uh, go to Dear Dramatic, McIntyre, who's the great-granddaughter of Roderick Chisholm, who was the chief draftsman at Harland and Wolf and who sailed on board the Titanic and was said to be the man who knew more than anybody else about the ship, Deirdre, and how it worked. Well, that's what I've certainly been informed, that Roderick um, knew Titanic and her sister ship Olympic intimately, and um, was Thomas Andrews' right-hand man. So Roderick knew the ship and the build of the ship he oversaw construction of the ship and worked hard with the other team members in the yard. And he was so senior that he was on board. He had to be on board. He was the person who knew everything about the ship. Yeah, well, along with the other, there was a 9 guarantee T group. Um, those men were all chosen because of their knowledge and their skills. So Roderick was chosen to be in that elite team, yes. Now, what is told in your family about the, the last months before Titanic was, was finally sailing on its maiden voyage and what your great-grandfather did in those times? Well, there wouldn't have been... My understanding and my knowledge is information that was passed on from his daughter, my grandmother. And in those days, 
we work under the assumption that unlike today, children weren't told basically what their parents were working at. But my grandmother knew that her papa, as she called him, worked in the shipyard and was working on Titanic and Olympic. Now she never was on, on Titanic, but um, Roderick brought her, um, my grandmother and her brother and his wife down to Olympic and he would have the Met Lord and Lady Perry at the time. And she would have told such funny stories about Lady Perry and her fancy hat and walking around. But there wasn't a lot talked about, although grandmother would have talked about Roderick being at home in the drawing room, as she called it, working on plans and working at his desk. Um, and you have some mementos of Roderick. Well, the memento we have of Roderick is really quite emotional and very personal. When Roderick, um, when Titanic sailed, she went to Southampton. And when in Southampton, Roderick, even though it was a busy schedule for sure, he went out and he bought three vases to send home to his wife, Susan. Um, we still have those vases in the family and to us they're very much a tangible, they're, a ta they're tangible evidence of his love for his wife and his commitment to her and sadly she, she got the vases but she never got Roderick back again or he perished in the... When you come to visit this uh, wonderful experience and you know that your great-grandfather was part of it what was it like for you the first time you came in? I know, there, I've said this before, there's a lot of cliched words, Pat. There's a load of words I could say and I can't think of the word. It's been absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing, absolutely superb. I can't speak more highly and it should be known. I'm not employed by Titanic down here. I'm not employed by Northern Ireland Tourist Board. I'm just a housewife from Belfast. But I have links here and this team have done such an amazing job. They are telling the world the story of Titanic, but most importantly, the people of Titanic, the people of Belfast. And I really deep in my heart feel putting Belfast back on the map again, not for what she was previously known yeah. for, as you would know what I mean by that. That's, we hope and pray, gone. We want to absolutely bring to the fore the giftedness of the people of Belfast, the skills of the people, the imagination, the intelligence, the vision, the innovation. I mean, it's just, oh, there's so many things I could say. So many things I could say. And there, there are, as you mentioned, there are a number of artifacts which survived. You talk about, Emer, uh, the, the life jacket. There's also a deck chair from the first class deck and very poignantly, a violin. Yes, so we have a, a significant collection of original artefacts in Ship of Dreams Gallery, and that is where we <clears throat> tell the passenger stories and the dreams of what how their connection to the ship and having those original artefacts there where people can see the original history as well is something very special. Um, the deck chair is one of only six remaining in the world and it links into so many of those stories. For example, um, Ida and Isidore Strauss, who were so famous, he was the owner of Macy's department store in New York. They were one of the richest um, couples on the ship and they were last seen. They wanted to be together. She didn't want to get into the lifeboat without him and they were last seen on the deck sitting on two deck chairs and we now have one of those original deck chairs here. Another artefact we have is actually um, a plan of the first class accommodation and that was owned by Ada and Isidore Strauss's maid. And on it, you can see their cabin circled, their table in the dining room circled. And it's that, it just shows the level of luxury that everybody got one of these plans 
totally tailored to them. So having these artifacts and including the violin, which is probably one of the most um, iconic artifacts linked to the Titanic story, which was owned by Wallace Hartley, who of course was the bandmaster who played um, until the ship went fully went down. In the, the film A Night to Remember, um, they are shown to be playing near my God to, the, to thee as the ship uh, goes down. Um, I mentioned um, uh, James Cameron because he made the movie Titanic, which I think uh, probably brought the whole uh, iconography of Titanic to a new generation. But that couldn't and probably wouldn't have happened without the work of Ballard, who discovered the wreck. Now, that was an extraordinary adventure because they were actually scouring the seabed for a needle in a haystack. Absolutely, and Robert Ballard um, is one of the dreams that we tell. We tell his story in the new experience of his um, childhood dream to be an oceanographer and then throughout his career to be the man who discovered Titanic. So you'll learn in the new experience all about um, his top secret mission. He was actually doing a, a mission for the US Navy and while he was there, he got it agreed that if he finished the mission for them, early that he could spend the remainder of the time going in search of Titanic. So his story is incredible and we have a lot of original footage of him and his team and um, we, we talk all about how they were the people the, that discovered And the, the last few days and how it culminated on a Sunday with uh, the discovery which uh, must have been a momentous feeling for those guys because they were using a new technology uh, to, to, to do this but as uh, succeed they did and of course that uh, I, I suppose gave us the images that we have today of the wreck, which is now effectively a grave. Yes, and, and having those images is just something th so special. And having Ballard part of our um, sort of our wider um, stakeholder group is something really important to us. He, um, he is so supportive of how we tell the Titanic story. He's very supportive of how we are using artifacts and um, those original things that aren't taken from the seabed, but are taken from um, personal collections and, and um, passengers' um, descendants and things. And the, the connection with Ballard is really very um, strong in what we're trying to to tell. Well, the whole exhibit is spectacular, it's exciting, it's wonderful, and ultimately, when you think about it, it's very sad. It is. And I think it was actually Deirdre on a, on a previous um, event a few weeks ago, I think, put it very eloquently. Titanic Belfast has been here for 11 years, and we have such a story to tell, and we have such great feedback from our guests. But I think what we have done with this um, refreshment has really put a heartbeat back into the building. The new experience really is about the people. It's about the people of Belfast. It's about the passengers. And it's really those human stories and bringing those original artifacts in to really make people see this isn't just a James Cameron movie. This is something that happened. And that happened here in Belfast. And as a postscript, right beside where we are now, uh, which is at Titanic Belfast and uh, close to the Titanic Hotel, there is an original tender that used to bring passengers, whether it was in Cherbourg or uh, whether it was in Belfast or whatever it might be, this brought passengers out to liners uh, that couldn't come into dock and this serviced Titanic. Yes, SS Nomadic is the last remaining White Star Line ship in the world. So she was built alongside um, those Olympic class liners and she was used, you rightly say, as a tender ship on Titanic's maiden voyage. The dock in um, Cherbourg wasn't deep enough for Titanic to go right in. So she was created to bring the first and second class passengers from the port of Cherbourg out to Titanic. She is exactly a quarter the size of Titanic in length. She has one funnel instead of four. And a lot of those original features are there. And when people 
people come to Titanic Belfast and the Titanic experience, stepping on board SS Nomadic and seeing that original heritage is all part of their ticket so they can, they can explore um, just that extra bit of the story. Well, a truly fantastic experience. Emer Carney, Head of Marketing for Titanic Belfast. You're doing a great job, but when I come here, I'll be a marketeer for you too. It is such a wonderful experience. And uh, Deirdre McIntyre, great-granddaughter of Roderick Chisholm, who was the chief draftsman at Harland and Wolf and who perished on board. Uh, thank you both very much for joining us. Thanks. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.